Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. So really the eternal question, the dichotomy that we find ourselves in, in modern society, are you a cat or a dog person? <sighs> yeah, that's one of those 20 questions, isn't it? Um, it really does reflect your whole personality sometimes, I think, but also sometimes it's not that big of a deal. Right. I, okay, I have a dog. Right. You I do. love my dog. I do have a dog. I love my dog very much. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like I think I'm a cat person. And here's why. Okay. Because yeah. I I've always said this. Cats kind of get me in a weird way where they yeah. they respect the personal space. They kind of exist on their own. There's that accompaniment you get with them, but it's not too much, you know? I love dogs, but I've also been afraid of dogs probably more than I've liked dogs. So that's always made me like on edge like i don't like being crowded so i think that's right, part of right. it smothered dogs dogs dog smothered smother. yeah unless you're my dog and he doesn't always like it so it's fine mm-hmm. it's, it works out in that way but it's yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's complicated because i also think that the question can be so like confusing or weird because it gets weird people that like because people that hate cats for mm-hmm. no apparent reason kind of scare me a little yeah. bit right because that's always kind of like Okay, why? Like, why? Why yeah. do you hate it so much? They just don't want to be touched. It's okay, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely there with you. I. I think even though I've never had either, I connect with cats better. I'm also there with you on the personal space thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Cherry uh, has a amazingly uh, cuddly cat named Wallace, who is <laughs> adorable, and I am. I'm sometimes in disbelief that he exists just between how soft he is and how affectionate he is but yeah there's something about uh and and i think this almost reflects it in dog people and there's dog people and then there's uh dog people and (laughs) yeah you know Uh, i i think it's the i am i am all for uh pet owners that have some kind of subtlety Mm -hmm. um and i i don't i don't always know how to articulate this without sounding weird because also i'm i'm clearly someone that loves animals sure uh but i i don't know like there's there's something about like the understanding that you have with a cat of you're occupying the same space you acknowledge each other but you've got you've got things to do you've got yeah you know um the it doesn't need uh the cat doesn't need the constant reassurance and sticking its face in your crotch i also Mm. was afraid of dogs uh as a kid because my mom would bring me over to uh her friend and employee's house on occasion who was one of those people that like I referred to her as 
uh, auntie and okay. only later found out she is not my aunt. <laughs> I, yeah, been there. Yeah, and uh, she had a Rhodesian Ridgeback. Oh, big boys. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very big dog um, named Kenya. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're bred in Africa, bred for hunting lions, so that's yes, anything. yes. But Kenya was cooped up a lot uh, oh, in no. the small house and wanted to play and would chase me around the house. And as a small child, being chased by a Rhodesian Ridgeback is terrifying. No, that's that's traumatizing, actually. Yeah, my mom uh, because my mom is also a jogger. She has a crazy story about. Um, being attacked by a dog while uh, running and having to climb a telephone pole. That's even, oh my God, no, that is my yeah. worst fear. I, I, I mean, yeah. I've had my share of being traumatized as a kid by being chased by dogs, and that definitely contributes to it because I went over a neighbor's mm-hmm. house who I was friends with, and their neighbors had dogs, but they didn't have a fence. And so the yeah. dog, like we were all playing outside and the dog got loose and it was like, and I'm five, so this, I'm small, and this dog is a black lab but looks huge. And <laughs> right. Just go- we're running around, and all of a sudden, I hear uh-huh. screaming, and this just dark, like hellhound, is gunning it towards <laughs> us. And I'm like, I have never ran out of fear like that in my life. I ran around that, and I- I- this could all be a false memory, who knows? But I ran around that right. house, like outside the perimeter of the house, like three times before gunning it inside and hiding, and then crying, and then getting picked up. So that right. definitely contributes to it. I mean, for, I'm, I'm sure I I do not want to um make your memory not seem valid or anything but mm-hmm. i could also see a reality of an adult watching that uh, yeah and yeah watching uh you know a a black lab uh <laughs> in a mean. very different light yeah when, when you're well. when you're bigger <laughs> yeah yeah you know. it's not like a rhodesian ridgeback all right there they are they yeah are but i don't boys. know no i mean it was it was this black dog it was like you know it was like the grim you know it's scary i was scared i still remember it's it a bad, that way it, but it's, yeah it sounds like a bad omen it was a bad omen but i've also had my share of being attacked by a cat before that also sort of traumatized me i didn't have good luck with right. animals as a kid and here's yeah I've, i you know like but but i i would say since since we we are our experiences have been mixed but we gravitate gravitate towards cats you could say we're we're culturally cat flick <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i guess so <laughs> is there a cat pope i hope so somewhere i am, i like to just think like yeah i mean oh god that... it's, it's like a cat in the alley of rome like in the vatican right you know because there's got to be tons of cats around the vatican mm-hmm. oh so and one of them has it, a pope hat you know is this it's... sort of like a parallel like ratatouille mm. american tale type world oh, where yeah. there's there's like is <laughs> is the or is it more of a superman scenario like is the pope's cat the cat pope mm. do, i don't know or, i don't know or do the is there a underground society of cats in rome that also yeah. uh mm. That also uh, believe in uh, the, uh, the the divine uh, the divine message of Catholicism, but prefer God speaking through the cat mouthpiece rather than the human mouthpiece. I like to think that if I'm going to one of these situations, I think that's so. You more don't fun. you don't think Francis's cat automatically gets to be cat pope? 
I don't think so. I think you got to earn to be. I think you have to earn it. Unlike the Pope. okay, okay. So you got you have to be elected by a bunch of uh cat bishops. Yeah, oh, cardinal, cardinals. Cardinal. I yeah. mean, but they just keep oh, the that, name that's, because that's, they like that's... the birds. They just keep the name. Yeah. It doesn't change. <laughs> wow, we're really we're building a whole world here. This is a whole. Yeah, this is this is, this is a huh. great Pixar movie. We're pitching. Yeah, yeah. definitely some yeah. religious themes there, but you know, it could be interesting. Certainly. Yeah. yeah um. But yeah, no, I have I have had cats for short periods of my of my life and have enjoyed them. Yeah. But this sort of brings us to our exhibition today here at the Uncanny County Museum. We are hot off of two weeks of fantastic conversations with guests. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we are back to. Uh, a more regular scheduled exhibition. Uh, we can get a little bit away from dinosaurs because I uh, wanted to talk about something in particular that I think is really fascinating, and that is a, an evolutionary tendency or striving almost for the perfect predator. Mm. And in a lot of ways, I feel like this is cats. Uh, and we're going to talk quite a bit about their history, their relationship with humans, and what they still are are capable of of striking with us, whether that be mm-hmm. our admiration, our adoration, or our fear. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to follow me into this room, um, sure. now it might be slightly unsettling, but you're going to feel a very low sound. And as humans, we're wired to be uh, sort of put off by low sounds like this. Uh, And it's speculated this is because of our ancestors uh, being afraid of the dark, because that's where the predators were, but also particularly of cats. We were hunted by large cats in our not too uh, distant history. That were sort yeah. of the top predators of the of the world that humans evolved into. And what's interesting and something that I did not even fully realize until researching some of this myself was that cats are actually kind of a recent uh, evolutionary branch hmm. where they are they're kind of like us. There's just sort of this sudden development of this body plan that is incredibly efficient uh, at what it does and just sort of immediately takes the world by storm once it appears. Interesting. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you've met cats that are very confident. They they do that. They seem like they're ready to take on the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've run into cats like that. But I've also run into some shy cats, scaredy cats, if you will. Um, you know, there's all kinds of cat personalities, which I think is also right. But but I think I think it's that adaptability. I mean, because sure. like, let's let let's look at cats. You know, they have incredible uh, sensory abilities. They can yeah. see in very low light. They have retractable claws, which is something not really seen in any other uh, mammalian predator. Mm. Uh, they they can climb. Even large cats can climb. They're very quick. They're ambush predators. They're really kind of terrifyingly effective 
hunters when you think about it. Everywhere oh, yeah. cats have gone, they have found niches to be successful predators. 100%. Yeah. yeah, they didn't they didn't cover that in the cats movie though. I was really I was really, you know, looking forward to getting yeah. you know, cat facts and all I got was a bunch of people in weird CGI <laughs> outfits that uh I guess were hunting. You were, the you were upset but... they didn't talk about the natural history of cats in cats. I, Although it, it Poor does... advertising. Maybe I didn't watch the trailer. I don't know. But <laughs> no. <laughs> was was uh Judy Dench's character the cat pope? Oh, because it is, it is huh. sort of their their mythology getting to the yeah. heavy side layer. Um, okay, I could see it. Do, I mean, it's all yeah, makes sense. It, it is old Deuteronomy, old Dute. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know um, enough about cats lore to comment, but yeah, it sounds right. <laughs> so uh, these sort of low sounds, uh, going back to that, this brings out a very primal fear in us as humans as primates this mm. was something that was hardwired into us to be afraid of some people even speculate further that this is something that can explain hauntings in a lot of situations that places huh. that humans go into and feel uneasy there can be some sort of natural or artificial phenomenon that is uh, that's putting out very, very low frequency sounds that make us nervous because of cats, because of I interesting trying trying to survive for millions of years, uh, especially in Africa where there are a uh, wide cats. variety uh, of cats. large cats. It's interesting too, though, because they do use those like low low frequency oscillators um, a lot, and the sounds in horror films when they score mm-hmm. them to actually activate that sense. So when you're watching the movie, you'll get that uneasy feeling, like especially when mm. there's a suspenseful scene and there's like a, you know, that music that goes on, and it's actually like hidden in the tracks that they use that sound. So I didn't, I, I knew wow. it because of that. I always thought it was just the frequency it does it. I didn't actually know there was a connection to cats. So that's very interesting hearing about yeah. this. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at it that way, you can also understand why so many ancient cultures had cat deities. Um, yeah. There was almost this mutual respect of them being a predator that was almost like a worthy opponent of yeah. us. You know, there's Sumerian and Egyptian uh depictions of people fighting big cats and even in to europe you have that association of the and and europe being a place that we at least in the modern day don't associate with big cats but think about how much lions show up in the the imagery even as far north as britain you know yeah these were animals that people were familiar with you know in in the case of northern europe through more folklore but there were cave lions which did live in europe um the uh lions in general used to be much more widespread through uh africa uh asia minor really uh lions themselves had uh, a pretty historically at least and the fossil records also show 
uh, kind of command of that region of Africa leading into Asia, kind of wrapping around the Indian Ocean. And to this day, not a lot of people know this because they're not a um, they're not super widespread. They're in, they're kind of isolated now. But there are lions in India. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Interesting. In like the north, like um, north north um, northwest, I guess if we're looking at the map. I would have to look at a map to be sure. But you know, this is also the 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 difficulty of figuring out uh, the the biological and evolutionary history of cats is uh, they seem to have at least uh, we'll get into this a little bit further as Mm. we go. Um, But lions and tigers are extremely closely related and their fossils can Mm. be confused for one another. If you were to look at their skeletons, um, other than the tiger being slightly bigger and a couple of other anatomical differences, uh, add in taphonomy where the fossils are, you know, just damaged from time. You right. could have a really hard time telling them apart. I mean, oh, okay. yeah, true. Th- if you just saw their skeletons and you had no idea what the modern animals looked like, how would you know that they look as different as they do? Yeah, that's a good point. I also forgot tigers are in India, so scratch what I just yeah. said. But yeah, I, yeah, um, I, 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 I think, I think they, they have. Lions are social and I think have to are, and are better adapted to kind of the the savanna type environment. Right, right. And then tigers the, are solitary and are much right. more uh, de- well developed for the uh, the more uh, jungle and forested areas. Right. Yeah. That's at least how I've un- that's how I've understood it through my. Yeah. My knowledge but they are they're close enough. They're, they're in the same genus. Okay. Uh, and can interbreed uh it's almost entirely uh from humans you know creating uh ligers and tigons which i've never heard of tigon that's a new one for me i believe tigon is if the father is a tiger liger is okay father is a lion Hmm. Um, interesting yeah and they get extremely large uh they are technically the largest cats uh Hmm. bigger than the tiger, which is the the largest naturally occurring cat, but ligers are especially large, and it's it is terrifying. But they're often sterile; um, they can't reproduce, um, or they're you know they're they they can have other health complications. And I believe conservationists really really frown upon the breeding of them because uh, they're typically made for like private zoo attractions it is kind Uh, of even a um a point made in the tiger king documentary yeah it's you know not really good form that joe exotic has a liger right yeah yeah Hmm. but if you were watching tiger king a couple years ago (laughs) and wondering how did we get these these beautiful animals that these uh awful people are exploiting how did we get here (laughs) Um, you know, here? because obviously there's there is an audience of people that want to be around these incredible predators. Uh, what led to this? And it actually does go back uh, to the extinction of the dinosaurs 66 million years ago. Mammals are really among the first uh, large vertebrates and large, you know, we're still talking about very small animals. Most of the pretty much all large 
animals were wiped out uh, with the uh, KPG extinction. But there were enough smaller mammals to sort of propagate the Earth and repopulate it and diversify. Um, and in particular is a group of mammals, uh, carnivora, that emerges mm. from this. And as the name suggests, they have these molars that have uh, shearing edges, and they are very effective carnivores. And they essentially, all mammals that you typically think of as carnivores belong to this group. Now, it gets a little tricky because cat fossils are actually extremely rare. Uh, There's not a lot known about their origins, and it's actually kind of up for debate where exactly the first ones uh, came from. It is assumed that they are from a similar lineage to uh, canines, so dog-like carnivores. Hmm. Yeah, so, but it does seem like they were also in competition with them. The thing to understand about carnivora, and this is maybe a bit of an oversimplification, but what we want to think of it as, basically, very early on, it splits into roughly two groups. And this is partially subjective from our perspective as modern humans and us trying to organize this incredibly diverse group of mammals, which is basically all predators. But we have split them into roughly two groups. Dog-like carnivores, canines, and cat-like carnivores, felines. Hmm. So you can kind of draw a line down the middle and sort of split up all carnivorous mammals that way. Uh, And this gets very interesting with animals that you would not really assume were related or closely related. And some of them aren't. It's just that the diversification happened so long ago that there are animals that are simply just more closely to that dog group than they are to that cat group. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, I got a question for you. All right. I got one question for you. You feline lucky punk. So, welcome, Joe, to Feline Lucky, where I'm going to give you uh, an iconic mammalian carnivore, and you have to tell me, is it a feline or a canine? A cat-like carnivore or a dog-like carnivore? Hmm, okay. Oh, man, I'm nervous. Okay, I mean, I guess I have to (laughs) guess based on, like, on, on, all right, well, we could just go for it. I'll I'll figure it out. Okay, yes. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any dogs watching at home? <laughs> uh Bear, if you're if you're watching this, how are you sentient right now? But at the same time, I love you. We'll 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 start you out easy. Let's let's start with bears. Oh, okay. <laughs> hmm. I wanna go dog like. You are correct. Yes. Do it. All right. Now we'll we'll, we'll... Change it up a little bit. Right, change, you yeah. may know this from Archer. Ocelot. <laughs> cat, cat-like. Okay, yes. Yeah. See, you're getting an ocelot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. what an ocelot is. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're doing some soft pitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna okay, we're okay. Up. We're gonna make it a little trickier. Raccoons. Okay. Um. Let's see. They're very crafty. I feel like they have cat tendencies, but they also eat trash. So, <laughs> hmm. I'm going to go cat-like. Uh, Damn it. I knew it. It's the trash. I knew it. It was easy. Yep. Ah. Um, yep. So this actually does bring us to another point, which is part of the diversification of felines and canines was that felines really stuck to being fully carnivorous mm. where canines um because they kind of were uh more generalists they could be uh more omnivorous hence bears ah, and raccoons. okay gotcha yes yes okay so now we're gonna shake it up a little bit you ready All right. yeah let's do it hyenas hmm this is a tricky one. That's tricky because it's the same question, right? Like, they're in a pack, which makes me mm -hmm. want to think dogs. Mm -hmm. But mm, I don't think hyenas are omnivores either. So, um, But they are the bad guys in the lion. They are the bad guys. Opposed to the cats. They are opposed to the cats. Um... I'm going to go dog-like. A lot of people may think that, but they are actually... I knew it! Every time! They are cat-like. This is stressing me out. I have stress. All right, all right. Okay. I got to redeem myself. Right. I got to redeem myself. I'll okay, okay. All right, all right. Let's see if you can get this one. Okay. Meerkats. What's in the name? Uh, uh, <laughs> if I'm wrong on this, I'm going to be so mad. Um, <laughs> all right, meerkat. I'm going to go cat-like. You are correct. All right. If it wasn't, I was like, it's in the name. Please don't be wrong. It would be such an Iceland Greenland situation. Uh, skunks. Um, I want to go dog like. Correct. Nice. Okay. We're catching up. We're catching up. Yeah. 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 All right. Oh my gosh. I now, think I'm taking a test right now. Otters. Dog-like. Correct. Nice. I feel like now, they've been called sea dogs before, but I could be very wrong about that. Yeah, I'm, maybe. Actually, I don't know. let's uh, let, let's let's uh, go to let's go to the sea dogs. Seals. Oh, oh, there you go. Um, well, yeah, I'm gonna go dog-like with the seals too. All right, you would be correct. Nice. Now you may remember them from the hit film Madagascar. The Fusa from Madagascar. Ah. Cat-like or dog-like? Um, Cat-like. Correct. Nice. Oh, my gosh. All right. Now, mongooses. Ah, not the... <laughs> Jeff the talking mongoose over here. <laughs> um, uh, so that's all I think of. The... Ricky-ticky um... himself. <laughs> I'm going to go dog-like. Ooh, oh. I'm so sorry. They are cat-like. We're going to close it out with one more. All right, All right you more. ready? Yeah, let's do it. Weasels. Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to go cat-like. 
Oh. Better luck next time. No. They are dog-like. They are canines. I feel dumb. Oh man! You know you you were doing pretty good. I was gonna, I was bad. I was redeeming myself. I was close. It's these the mongoose and the weasel. Man, they always trick me out because they're crafty. They are. But at they the same are. Time. They are incredibly crafty animals. And we'll get into a little bit more of it. You know, because remember, these are not incredibly obvious as belonging to those groups. But if you go back far enough in their history, they are sort of diverging from this point. Right. Um, Very interesting. So. If we uh, go back a bit, uh, there uh, is this group called, because uh, again, the very early origins of cats are contentious, mm-hmm. but it is it is assumed that they start to diversify pretty much immediately uh, from uh, canine carnivores uh, as carnivora itself starts to diversify right after the dinosaurs die out. Mm. So... Um, there is a creature called Proeliurus oh. uh, that uh, lives uh, about 28 to 20 million years ago. Um, and it is a part of this group called uh, Prionodontidae. Uh, and there is, while it is not still alive, there is an animal called the banded linsing and the spotted linsing. There are two species. They still belong to this group, and they are alive mm. today. And if you look at them, you can kind of see that uh, that bridging of the gap. Even though these are modern creatures, yeah. cats did not evolve from them specifically, but they would have had an ancestor similar to them. If you look at them, they you can superficially make the jump in your mind of oh okay the little shrew like animals that survive after the dinosaurs die out you can kind of see that 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 jump from something yeah. that looks like generic basic stock mammal to uh something starting to resemble a cat like the first uh digimon evolution you know <laughs> uh, yeah i definitely could see it i think i think it yeah it makes a lot of sense for sure yeah but um cats have sort of different priorities from dogs as we know as is true today true um yeah. they are much more focused on being arboreal uh part of the pro the reason that the dog-like carnivores proliferate so much more is because they are kind of taking over the ground. They're more generalist. You know, they're living more like raccoons and bears where the ancestors of cats are living in the trees. So they have sort of different evolutionary pressures. And already you start to see the different priorities when it comes to sensory stuff. You know, we think of, Think of all of those dog-like carnivores we just went over. A mm-hmm. lot of them are animals that we associate with with having a very keen sense of smell. Yeah. Um, you, and in general, the dog-like carnivores would have had these longer snouts, you know, more uh, olfactory processing. Um, mm. Cats, or the, 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 they're not cats yet, but the, the feline-like the, uh, creatures have shorter snouts, but much more well-developed audio processing. Ah, okay. So already we're seeing um, a different type of uh, priority 
Um, and they all are coming from this lineage of creatures that are able to climb. And because of that, they will inherit, as time goes on, all of the really uh, amazing acrobatics that we associate with creatures that can climb. Hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, uh, uh, Proelioris is around 28 to 20 million years ago. But then something weird happens in the fossil record. There's this thing called the cat gap, um, <laughs> which I know you're thinking is uh, like a uh, gap, but, you know, outfits for, for cats. cats. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. You know, uh, blue, blue and white striped shirts, but for your cat. For your cat. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I could see it. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um. But uh, this is actually a huge gap in the fossil record where we don't really have any cat fossils from that span of time, 25 to 18 million years ago. Oh, hmm. Yeah. And part of this one of it's it's not really understood why um, this is one of the speculations is there would have been competition with the dog like carnivores. Um, and that mm. those carnivores might have even been moving into those specialties that the cat-like carnivores had been occupying. But it's okay. not really clear. It's just, it is just a, a, a dearth of evidence. So paleontologists kind of have to do a lot of guesswork. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So, hmm, but then, 20 million years ago, we do get a... Uh, type of cat that will give rise to basically all of the modern groups of cats. And you'll have to, uh, you know, bear with me through some of these names because paleontologists seem to have about mm, three names for cats that they just decide to keep reusing over and over again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> They like, uh, y you'll just see. So All remember, right. we had Proelioris. Pro now, this right. is Pseudoelioris 20 million years ago. Okay. Um, now, it, pre it pretty much gives rise to all of the modern groups of cats. But in particular, uh, what's interesting about Pseudoelioris is we find it in North America. Um, and it... Uh, might be an ancestor of the Macarodontidae. Now, we may you may be more familiar with this as saber-tooth cats or Smilodon. Uh. Now, when cats first show up in North America, you know they're immediately very successful and diversify, and uh, will 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 split up in, into groups that we might recognize today. Um. But one thing to understand is they're not quite the modern cats that we think of. Um, so it's a misnomer to refer to a Smilodon as a saber-toothed tiger, which is mm. very common in, you know, like Ice Age and people in general. <laughs> yeah, I call uh, them that. I didn't realize. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. This is right. like, this is like, you know, referring to uh, Pteranodon or Pterodactylus as a dinosaur. They right. have a they're, they're fairly closely related um, just in that, uh, you know, they are also these cat like creatures, but they're not in the group of what we would consider modern big cats. They have very short tails. 
Um, they have some other anatomical differences, but saber-tooth cats run rampant over North America, but they can't quite get to South America until the land bridge brings them together. Mm. So what is now Panama um, connects the American continents and cats are able to get to South America for the first time and really take over uh, as the top predators. Uh, so you have to gotcha. imagine there was a time when uh, the predators of South America hadn't, th- there weren't cats yet. Right. Which is really wild to think about. Um, yeah, that is weird, given that that's like the majority now, right? Right, yeah. So uh, South America was part of one of the supercontinents that broke apart from Pangaea was part of Gondwana. Mm. Um, this So animals uh, would all have been more... Uh, sort of isolated to that part of the world. You know, there were basically like kind of two smaller supercontinents that broke up after Pangea, Laurasia and Gondwana. Gondwana sort of had its own uh, unique animals. And sort of a remnant of this is Australia, where, you know, there's no, um, there's, there's really not any native placenta mammals. They're all marsupials and monotremes. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, but you do have animals that evolved to be cat-like. So there was a creature that lived in South America called Thylacosmilus. And then in Australia, you had a sort of marsupial lion with, like, bolt cutters for teeth called Thylacoleo. Oh. None of these are related uh, to cats, really. But they uh, sort of evolved to occupy that niche of a, of a lion-like animal. So Thylacosmilus, what's so bizarre about it is it also has the saber teeth. Uh, and it is superficially very similar to a cat. However, if you look at its skull, and we have one here, they are particularly weird. It doesn't it looks kind of like a walrus, but also its chin extends down below hmm. with its saber teeth. So you end up with this boomerang-shaped lower jaw with sort of pockets on either side for the saber teeth. Interesting. It's incredibly weird looking. Um, but it does show this tendency for this kind of predator. Like it's almost, uh, it's almost like f- this this premonition of where um, evolution is going to go. Like this tendency that there is this design that can lead for to a very efficient predator. It like kind right. of hasn't. It's like it's like evolution hasn't quite worked it out uh, just yet. If that's not anthropomorphizing evolution too much, and like if you've ever been to. Uh, Australia, or you've been to a zoo that has marsupials, like, you know, opossums, possums, uh, numbats, uh, quals. There's something very odd about marsupials, like, in the way they move. They're like, it's like they're lo-fi 
mammals <laughs> you know they're low res mammals it's oh like they, they, it's like it's like they kind of like they look like fuzzy mammals but they don't quite have they have like the movements of lizards you know yeah, they're kind they of like do. yeah they're, they're herky jerky they're like <laughs> not fully rendered they're it's uh, and again this is this is uh the way i'm talking about this is also not great just because we don't want to think of evolution as uh as orthogenic as like sure like it has a purpose but you have to look in amazement at the sort of like controlled calculated movements of a cat and then compare it to what the top predators of australia were what the large mammal predators were uh like uh thylacines and quals and tasmanian devils like and you you can't compare the way they move you know you can't look at an opossum and then compare it to a small cat. Like, yeah, I know. Totally different. Yeah, they're, they're on different playing fields of of just of just neurological awareness. Yeah, I mean the cat's <laughs> cat's got the Unreal Engine five graphics going for it. You know? Exactly. It's got, it's got all then, the movements. And then imagine <laughs> like yeah, and then imagine suddenly a cat shows up. The cats storm oh into uh what was formerly gondwana land and suddenly oh. they, they they obliterate everything else oh uh, yeah um, that's yeah. horrifying actually like when you really <laughs> think about it that's pretty scary um yeah yeah because like you, you, like some of the big predators in south america were like giant flightless birds yeah, I mean they are scary to this yeah, day. Yeah. To be and, fair, and they, I don't want to did... mess with an ostrich. I know it's not South America, but it's still but th- there. Are scary. There are rias. Uh, oh in yeah, South yeah, America, yeah. Okay, kind of, kind of like the South American ostrich, but there were terror birds. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, which, yeah, which uh, you know were uh, some of the top predators in South America. And when the land bridge opened up, they made it into North America oh. and were were successful for a time. Uh, so there, there was a bit of an exchange of sort of a, a monster exchange. Um, okay. But, uh, you know, we still have cats in North and South America and uh, not so many uh, terror birds. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bummer. We, we, we lost that. Yeah. Uh, we, we could have I... had cowboys riding terror birds. Now that's a story. That could have been yes. interesting. What a visual. God, could you imagine oh, the turkey God. legs? oh my gosh the terror legs terror legs oh that's it (laughs) now serving at the ucm cafeteria yes so i i had a question though not i Mm -hmm. hope this isn't jumping too far ahead but i'm also kind of wondering when early humans or yeah i guess early humans start to interact here or is that later? Right. Am I getting ahead? That's going to be later. We're okay. still, uh, we're still uh, about twenty million years ago, so still mm. fairly recent. Okay. The wild thing about a lot of these cats is that, you know, we don't really see them in the fossil record, and then suddenly, they're kind of starting to appear around the same time as us, or at least the ones that we think of now. So this is okay, something okay. you're you you're a little ahead, but you're, oh you're no, not sorry. Like this is. This is going to start folding into our own history very soon because, you know, 20, 20 million years ago, there's primates, you know, there's 
they're they're living in the trees and they are certainly already having a relationship with uh the these cat like uh carnivores so uh the the pseudo pseudo alaris I, I don't like prehistoric cat names i like <laughs> dinosaur names better yeah um so the 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 macaradonta days those are what we think of as true saber-tooth cats like these are fairly closely related to modern cats they're not in the same group necessarily but there are actually quite a lot of false saber-tooth cats so there were other groups of cat-like carnivores these much more much more closer to cats than say meerkats or mongooses sure but these were not quite cats yet but they also independently evolved saber teeth oh yeah there was a uh, one group in particular uh bar uh, I, I do like this name barbara feel day that's cool yeah like barbara's having a field day <laughs> i was gonna say more like barbarian cat oh that's uh, even cooler yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my um gosh. But, you know, these these also would have been like animals like Dinophilus, which mm. terrible cat like these are animals that would have been hunting hominids. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. So then we get the group Felidae in the Miocene. And it's unclear because, again, weirdly, cats don't seem to fossilize super well in this period. And it's hard to determine why. Um. But it appears that Felidae, where we start to get animals that we would properly call cats, appear. And uh, so they're showing up in the Miocene in Asia. And there's a lot of speculation as to why cats don't fossilize. Uh, It might be because they are solitary. They don't get into groups uh, to uh, sort of have like big mass uh events where many individuals might get buried at the same place which increases the likelihood of finding something um it might be because you know uh their uh their skeletons just aren't particularly robust to survive to being fossilized in the places that uh they're dying Hmm. um and then to add to it again once there is this blueprint for this incredibly effective predator, on the skeletal level, cats all kind of look the same. There's little features that change, but paleontologists have a really hard time sometimes telling apart different species of fossil cats uh, just because they, they are all so similar and it's, it's difficult to track uh, these different mm. species. Uh, because once that design was was established in their evolution uh it you know if it ain't broke don't fix it you know i mean yeah it's a pretty solid point it seems to be working pretty well even to this day so yes yeah so they but once they do start to uh appear more and more they pretty much outcompete every other kind of predator uh in and spread all over the world especially with their retractable claws. That is something yeah. in, in incredibly unique to them. Uh, they, uh, they, they split into uh, two groups from there, uh, pantherines mm. and uh, felinae. 
again, we're, we're getting into this thing where the, the paleontologists kind of keep just reusing the same terms over and over again. So this, this does is, is going to get uh, confusing. Uh, pantherines split into Neophilus and Panthera. And okay. Panthera is where we get what we would contemporarily call big cats. Big cat. Got it. Got to watch the, out for a big cat. Yeah. You know, I think you have to be licensed to drive one, though. Right. <laughs> I, you know, that's a machinery. I, te- joke. I, tell, I tell people to follow the money. It all leads to big cat. Ah, uh, mm, exactly. <laughs> big cat on top. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what would you assume the way the, the super scientific mm-hmm. way that we divide uh, big cats from other uh, cats? I mean, is it too simple to say just by their size? Like if they're bigger in this specific no, cause way? No, because there's other big cats. We got to, we got to. All right. Uh, um, yeah. uh, hmm. How much, maybe it's like how much money they made like specifically <laughs> or like how, how famous of a jazz musician they are. Yeah. Might do like, it too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have no idea. Gar- That's Gar- I mean. Garfield and Charlie Parker. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well he's more uh, of a garfield so i guess we should put him in this yeah category. um so yeah. yes so big cats uh and this is gonna sound like something that was like cooked up by an ancient greek uh naturalist okay. but it's down to whether or not they can roar oh, i thought you were gonna say read but yeah um <laughs> why i don't know why <laughs> oh my gosh okay it does seem it does seem like something that like edward topsell would right? write in like yeah. history of the history of the four-footed beasts right the well, big cat can read therefore um oh my gosh okay but that's interesting though huh i didn't yeah and it, and it has to that. do partially with the size um big cats have bigger vocal cords and are actually capable of roaring mm. um the smaller cats purr right uh because their they're, they're, their anatomy just does not allow for it to like break into a full-on roar right this is actually what makes um things like cheetahs not big cats oh right cheetahs don't don't roar at all they they actually yeah. talk very weird you ever hear a cheetah like yeah noise? it's yeah. bizarre it always gets me yeah and this isn't actually entirely incorrect. Like there are exceptions like uh, snow leopards uh, don't really roar, but hmm. snow leopards are big cats. Because they don't really have a reason though, right? Maybe? Uh, I, I think it has to do more with um, snow leopards are actually kind of properly part of this, uh, this group, Panthera. Um, whereas cheetahs, lynxes, and pumas are actually evolutionarily in their own group. So this is actually kind of the wild thing, though, as as we get a little bit more into this diversification. So big cats, panthera, um, the genus panthera, is um, it was always assumed to have begun in Africa because that's where we get a lot of these big cats. We Mm -hmm. have lions. um, We have jaguars. We have leopards. Um, so it was sort of assumed that Africa was like this proving ground of all of these ancient uh, cat species, uh, big cat species. Um, but 
it no one can seem to find the fossils for it. And for the moment, it looks like they actually may have evolved in Asia because at least that's huh. where we get the earliest fossils of them. And those fossils seem to be closest to snow leopards. So oh. this doesn't mean that big cats evolved from snow leopards, but what we think of as big cats may have evolved in that vicinity and the population that we have remaining are the snow leopards. Interesting. Yeah. What huh. makes this confusing is there are things like clouded leopards, which are not in this group. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then. Uh, yeah. So this this is sort of the difficulty because do you know where the name leopard comes from? I guess not really. No. Besides like the, the you know, the disease. There's that leper. That's leper. Leprosy. That yeah. that does not come. But yeah. good good guess because it is in language. Leopard. So the oh. the ancients thought that leopards were the offsprings of panthers and lions. Uh, hmm. Leopard. Pard. And okay, makes sense. Th- this is not true. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it it is where the name comes from. But it also does goes to show you that there are a lot of cats that are called leopards that aren't really in the same group so this further complicates things as to how we name them uh it's kind of like the tree problem where uh there's all these plants that are trees but they're not really related they just superficially we've decided are trees (laughs) you are a tree now Hmm. yes okay yeah Yeah. i mean are are you familiar with with the idea of convergent evolution not really, I must say. Okay, so the the idea basically is to to keep it short. Um, if there is a certain form that is particularly advantageous, mm-hmm. evolution will tend towards it. It's why hmm. dolphins and sharks look similar, but are completely unrelated. They evolved to look like that separately from each other. Interesting. Um, just that is such an efficient shape for a marine pursuit predator that they both tended towards it. So you can also account some of that. Like, like I was saying before, it's like, again, overly anthropomorphizing, but like evolution is like trying to get it right for the perfect predator. Right. And keeps tending towards this, this form of these big cats yeah yeah that is very interesting yeah that that is why you see a lot of these animals that are kind of unrelated that are so similar gotcha okay that makes a lot of sense yeah so these big cats now we're starting to get into the realm of when we actually start to see hominids because these big cats are appearing about 5.9 million years ago Mm, so this is and this is in africa and asia so we will this will start to be a relationship with humans uh, right. and, pretty, and in a couple million years, modern humans. But then there's things still happening in other continents. Cause remember cats evolved and then spread everywhere. So mm. you have animals, you have them also diversifying in the Americas. So there was an American lion and an American cheetah. Oh yes. And so we have fossils of the American lion, but we do not have fossils of the American cheetah. 
The only reason mm. we know it existed, or we have to speculate it existed, right. is uh, on a couple of things. One, modern day mountain lions, uh, what you know, in some places you might call them pumas, right, um, right. Florida panthers, they are most closely related to cheetahs. Hmm. But the other thing that we have is pronghorn antelope. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Pronghorn run incredibly fast. And they're yeah. even, even back when there were wolves uh, roaming America, there was nothing that would warrant an animal, a prey animal, evolving to move that quickly. Um, mm. So what the what the hypothesis is is that pronghorn antelope evolved to run quickly in order to escape a now extinct species of very fast moving cat that's yeah that makes sense i mean that's very interesting i didn't think about, huh okay ghost cat go oh ghost cat <laughs> Oh, yes, man. that term actually does come up a lot because there's there's so many missing fossils from the, from yeah. the record of cats. People do sometimes use that term. <laughs> Just ghost cat? Ghost, ghost cat. Ooh, yes. I like it. It makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, it's interesting, though, that like you can dis- you can figure that out based in the context clues while also looking all over the world, right? To right. start figuring it out and having to find that logical conclusion as to... How? Why? Yeah. Why would they evolve like this otherwise? Yeah. So well, it's... you you can see when when this happens, it's sometimes called um, uh, an evolutionary arms race. Sometimes it's also called oh. the uh, the Red Queen hypothesis. Oh, okay. uh, as a reference to Alice in Wonderland, some biologists refer to it as uh, Red Queen. Okay. Um, where one species, as a result of being preyed upon by another just sort of starts coming up with increasingly ridiculous defense strategies. Gotcha. One example would be rough-skinned newts that are so weirdly toxic. Like, because it takes energy uh, to make poison, to make yourself uh, poisonous. You know, it, it means you are taking calories and nutrients away from things that you could otherwise be using uh, to feed your body to make yourself that poisonous. They are incredibly toxic. Hmm. And yet, uh, they are preyed upon by garter snakes. Uh, And it's sort of this arms race between the two. The newt has to keep getting more toxic, but all the garter snake has to do is evolve another immunity. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's so. Th- this huh. is this is why when you hear those stories of like this very small frog has enough poison to kill a hundred <laughs> right. elephants, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's because they have predators that keep evolving immunity to their toxins. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's nature. Yeah, be so wild. It's, a, it, it's this, it's this runaway feedback loop. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. Huh. I. I have a question, though, slightly going back mm-hmm. to what we were talking about yes. earlier before we keep continually move forward. Mm-hmm. Do you know why saber-toothed cats have saber teeth or why they call them that because of the fangs that come down? Like, wh- why do they have those? Like, what was the point? 
So um, there's this has actually been a huge debate uh, for a while. Um, but what it seems like is uh, this the bite that they could deliver um, would incredibly quickly kill prey if they bit them correctly in the neck. Okay. Um, so compare this to like kind of how uh, and even though it does seem to have been a, a very prolific uh, tendency for evolution for a while, it clearly was phased out, um, maybe just because the prey items changed. Sure. Um, but if you think about the way that lions have to hunt, it's pretty dangerous uh, for the predators, as, you know, it, it, the, the prey will fight back. And, right. you know, a kick from a zebra or a water buffalo you know, could kill you or permanently injure you. Mm. So um, at least what the going hypotheses have been is that if you were hunting and you could get your bites onto the neck and you could get it placed right, you could kill your prey really with that one bite. Okay. Uh, yeah, hmm. at, at least in the case of Smilodon, um, what, the 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 proper saber tooth cat, um, and I, it might change for other groups of animals, but because they were all evolving these saber teeth, it does seem like something that worked, uh, at right. least for the the prey items that were available to them. So it'd be like essentially like a dagger, like just a very quick daggers going right into the neck to be like an instant kill if you can get it right, just to give that like edge. Yeah, it would be hmm. like um, if, if you if you had to kill something with a knife versus a gun. Right, right. Like that you have instead of having this uh, this close quarters, very intense battle where you're both kind of at risk suddenly there was this weapon that they had that could do a very quick, very efficient death, uh, severing uh, arteries in the neck. Hmm, uh, and okay. Be because uh, choking, and this is, this is true even for humans, unfortunately, um, or not, not unfortunately, I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> don't kill people. Uh, choking takes a while. Um, if, yeah. if all you're going to do is crush the neck of an animal all you're doing is um you know su you're suffocating it which takes time if you can cut off blood supply the animal dies in seconds right okay yeah i mean this is um for, for those that keep kosher uh this is part of the idea of uh glot kosher of of um of humanely killing animals that you know uh one knife motion through the neck quickly animal bleeds out uh it's over with as soon as possible right you know we can't look at these animals as you know having some sort of morality or, sure uh or or humanity um because they're not humans uh but they are uh in their own it is in their own interest to get the kill over as soon as possible Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. This does, but what this does is it severely limits the type of prey that you can hunt. Right. Um, 
Because as you can imagine, having a mouth like that, you kind of can only eat big game. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's going to be very difficult to catch anything else, really. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, compare this to something like a jaguar. Jaguar's skulls are, um, you know, very distinct from other uh, large cats, uh, just in how uh, generalist they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They because think about it. Like you know, there's there's all the all that footage of like jaguars like jumping into the water and coming out with a caiman. Uh, you know, yeah. their their jaws are so powerful and not specialized, and this is what's led to their success. Right. Because they can kind of th- they'll try anything. Yeah, it know? works. I mean, whatever works. I guess at that point, yeah. which is yeah. Yeah, and, and it means you can eat smaller prey, you know. Right. Which, yeah. If 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 the big game aren't around, uh, then you have something else to eat. And you know, this when we were talking about uh, in our teeth exhibition, when there was sort of a mysterious die off of a lot of large uh, mammals in North America, mm. you know, you could also look at this as something that you know leads to a decline in big cats because right. they are specialized to hunt big game um now it's it's unknown specifically what killed them off especially in the case of like the american cheetah where we don't even have any bodies um ghost cat (laughs) interesting thing is um modern cheetahs when you look at them have a genetic bottleneck all cheetahs that are alive today and this predates uh you know industrial uh human caused uh habitat loss Mm. uh at some point in their history cheetahs almost went extinct uh and we can tell this because they're all genetically very similar and if cheetahs do not um have uh a a proper mate that you know they can find that is genetically different from them they will resort to incest. So a lot of the cheetahs we have left are inbred. This is even true of, um, again, their close relative, the Florida panther. Um, Mm. And that one is much more tied to uh, habitat loss uh, and local extinctions in Florida. Okay. But that group of cats has been through it. And and will survive at any cost even you know if it does mean a uh you know a really real damage to their gene pool hmm yeah just yeah that's yeah uh. yeah huh. so that so those those wild uh cats you know for for the most part except for really mountain lions and jaguars go extinct in north america um but you know as as we all know flourished in asia and africa and parts right. of europe in the ice age but really you know a lot of them died out uh with the end of the pleistocene and um you know now in, in, into the into the holocene we really think of cats as uh you know more present in asia minor uh southern asia and um and africa and this sort of uh, brings us now to where cats interact with humans. Yeah. Now, obviously, big cats, extremely dangerous predators. Yeah. Do not want to be that. 
Oh my god, that's terrifying. I'm sorry. I, there's nothing scarier than being, uh, you know, early human chilling by. If you had fire at that point, and then all of a sudden just getting plucked off by a, you know, saber tooth cat, yeah. and then just yeah. never seen again. <laughs> oh my god. Like, or oh. if 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 you were if you were in Africa and that happened to you, um, actually, it, it wouldn't be right. a, it would be a false saber tooth cat because Dy- Dinophilus was not a smilodon. All right, I was generalizing the world, but sure. Yes. Um. So, and I'm sure if, if you are out there and you know more about uh, cat uh, paleontology, tell me why I got the uh, genus wrong for that. <laughs> um, Correct us, because I I I'm a little out of my depth here. I would love to hear more from someone that knew more about cats. This is sort of a a general stuff I know from vertebrate paleontology and some other research I've done for this. Um, but anyways, so big cats are not going to be domesticated the way dogs were. Dogs, uh, right. you know, cats in general are not social animals. No. It's kind of an oddity only with um, lions that they are social and possibly saber-toothed cats. And again, the only reason I feel like we know as much as we do about saber-toothed cats, because it seems like cats just what evaporate into force ghosts when they die <laughs> but we know quite a bit about them because of things like you know the Brea tar pits and stuff ah, yeah. where a bunch of them died uh you know uh trying to eat animals that had also gotten stuck in the tar right like, um, well now we're both here so yeah <laughs> one other idea that's been put forward is is because cats are such large uh, predators is that there are so few of them in a given range, you know, mm, makes uh, sense. For, for the most like things like lions. Yeah, they have prides, but tigers have huge home ranges. Uh, yeah. So and they they need all of that land in order to find enough food to feed them. It's you know, they're, they're such large animals. Oh, yeah. Um, That there's not. And, and this is part of their their issues with conservation is uh, there's not that many of them per square mile. <laughs> well, know? right. Yeah. Because otherwise they'd be competing. Yeah. Yeah. For, for an animal that is really at the top of the food chain like that, uh, it, it, it's like it, it's the food pyramid idea, the food web idea. You can only have so many predators at that level. This is why when you see multiple species of cats in one place, they are all vastly different sizes. If you're in North America, you know, we have mountain lions, but we also have bobcats, you know, they're different sized animals going after uh, a different prey. Uh, This even sort of leads to canines attempting to fill those niches and even uh sort of also convergently evolving to be more cat-like hmm you see uh things like wolves uh and other animals that are you know uh the ancestors of of what we would think of as dogs they start to look more like cats because you have to think like yeah a lot of canine predators looked more like bears and raccoons and then huh. suddenly you have these animals with these very high elbows and elongated digits 
that let them run really fast and pounce and jump. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So even dogs are becoming more cat-like. And one niche that cats are able to do is they're, they're not just big predators. There are tons of small wild cats. And, you know, there's they are all over the world. Right. Uh, and, you know, they're able to survive in places that can't support big cats. Um, they need less food. Uh, the canine answer to this niche is like a fox, you know, a, mm. a small, uh, very sensitive predator uh, yeah. that that doesn't need to specialize, that can be that can kind of just go after other small animals. Yeah. Um, but what you do see is a lot of these cats that actually really look a lot like domestic cats. Uh, and you see them all over the world. There's black-footed cats. Uh, there are so many of these yeah. little, very adorable, but, you know, definitely wild animals. Yeah, the Norwegian forest cats. Scary. Yes. But they're so cute. Yes. I want to hug one. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, they're much more likely to be around humans without there being conflict the way that humans will not want to live in the same vicinity as a tiger or a lion right unless you're joe exotic i guess yes do you think (laughs) joe exotic ever listened to rain king by counting crows and was like i am the tiger king hmm i saw a tiger Sorry. oh my god not trying to not, yeah not, yeah oh. <laughs> yeah um so th- there is a niche where suddenly humans and small cats mm-hmm. can be in the same vicinity with each other and not try to kill each other right uh, the, they're the, the, they think each other yeah. are cute they're just like yeah, oh yeah you're cool what are you yeah well because with wolves Wolves are social animals, and it's sort of speculated that that's how the jump was made to, you know, some wolves following around a human encampment. They're eating the trash, but then they slowly start to get closer and closer to the humans, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they sort of have, have a uh, evolutionary understanding with each other that yeah. it is in the wolves' interest to protect the humans— uh, and the humans will give them the leftover food. Makes sense. Fair trade. Yeah. Man's best friend right there. But you can't convince a lion to do that. The no, lion they'll just eat will you. take <laughs> your food and you. <laughs> you know, um, who's, who's really the bully here then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is, it, you know, tigers in places where people still live in the vicinity of tigers, it is a real problem. There's very famously yeah. uh, people that go out to work in the woods, they wear masks on the backs of their heads so that the tigers uh, think that you, they can, uh, that you can see them when they're yeah. stalking you. Look at that evolution uh, right there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but no, yeah, it's, it's like terrifying. I mean, even, but yeah. even here you can still get like attacked. In the, in the U.S., that is, you can still get attacked by like a mountain lion depending on where oh, you're yeah. at. I think there was one light. Well, because even in... I don't know if we have them anymore, actually, but I think New Jersey has a type of panther, like in the Pine Barrens or like up north. I can't remember. And it might have gone extinct by the because I learned about this a long time ago. But um, mm. that was also very interesting. But yeah, I mean, they, they still are around and they're still a threat to a certain extent. But yeah, yeah, I guess ma- you're on their lions, turf at that point. 
Yeah, no, I mean, if you live in Colorado. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh um, but I mean, I, I think even until recently, I think there were still Jaguars in southern United States. I, I don't know mm. if there's really that many left. Um, yeah, I and don't know. I think I think they're also very threatened in Mexico as well. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, you do have to remember, like, these things were everywhere before uh, the yeah. Europeans arrived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. While we are on the topic of, of pumas uh, and cheetahs, like, again, talking about that specialization, uh, you know, cheetahs are the only cats that cannot retract their claws. Really? Yeah. Huh. You know, like like I was just saying, you know, dogs were evolving to be more cat-like. A cheetah is an example of a cat evolving to be more dog-like. Uh, oh. it, it, its claws are kind of more robust. They don't need to keep them sharp. They use them more like spikes on a track shoe to get oh, traction on the ground. Yeah, huh, it's a real cat dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is sort of like why they are so anomalous uh, among cats. Uh, right. But anyways, hmm. so... This is sort of the interesting thing about cats and probably why they look so superficially similar to uh, wild cats is humans already had agriculture going on a pretty large scale by the time cats show any interest in us. Gotcha. About uh, nine and a half thousand years ago, which is pretty recent in terms of, of, of everything we've been talking about. Um, the Af- it seems that uh, African wildcats, specifically the subspecies uh, that sort of the Near Eastern wildcat, it begins to hang out around human settlements where there's a lot of grain, because where there's grain, there's pests. Um, so mm-hmm. you have all these human civilizations popping up, and... Uh, the the cats show up sort of on their own terms. They're there because there's prey. And then humans sort of begin to encourage this. It's a very different interaction with dogs um, where the, the, the humans are not directly feeding the cats, but the humans value having the cats around. Um, right. So the earliest example we have of a domestic cat is... Uh, nine and a half thousand years ago, actually on the island of Cyprus. And oh. we, yes. And the reason we know this is a domestic cat, because again, remember, they look so similar to African wildcats. Uh, like if you, if you saw an African wildcat and you didn't look that closely at it, it would just kind of look like an orange tabby. Hmm. What we found in Cyprus is it was given a proper burial with a person. Oh, so this was not an animal that had been eaten and its skeleton thrown into a midden. This was a, you know, uh, an articulated skeleton. Um, and also it's on an island, which means that the humans had to have brought it there. Right. Yeah. So huh. this is pretty hard evidence that humans were beginning to domesticate uh, the, the Near Eastern African wildcat. Um, but what makes this even weirder is that cats were actually domesticated twice. So all over the world, wherever you have domestic cats, um, you know, through Asia, Africa, Europe, and, you know, where 
you know, people have brought them since then, like the Americas. Mm -hmm. This is sort of a situation like the Oryx, where they are all a descendant of this wild species. But if you go back to ancient China around the same time that the wild cat is being domesticated, because this is such a, you know, again, this is a convergence. Right. Because there is this opportunity. You have millet farms in ancient China and where you have, Mm. you know, again, this stockpile of food, you have rats, you have rodents and where you have uh, an abundance of rodents, you have cats that show up for um, for food. And what there is evidence of in China is that they were sort of also domesticating leopard cats. Oh, yeah, so th- this is not a proper leopard. This is, uh, you know, this is a small cat that just sort of has blotchy spots along it. Um, but it is, you know, it's a little bigger. But uh, this did not catch on as well as what, what we now think of as domestic cats. Um, hmm. But it does show that there was a tendency towards this. You know, this wasn't... Um, it. it it almost wasn't the effort that it was for dogs. I think this shows just how adaptable cats are wherever they go, uh, that they will, that this opportunity arose for them multiple times and they took it and left to its own devices. Who knows? Maybe there would have been multiple lineages of domestic cats. We just don't know. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And, you know, you know, like domestic cats are close enough, like when people make Bengals and stuff like that, they are breeding domestic cats with wild cats to sort of get those hybrids. Oh, oh yeah. That. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's really fascinating. I mean, I do also kind of love the fact that they just like the cats just show up and eventually make the like relationship happen because they didn't they have literally to. never change. It's the same. It's the yeah. same. Love it. That's why yeah. I think it's so fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. They're just the, like they're even just like hearing all this research you've done and telling us this story. It's like, yeah, they literally have never changed. And also, I imagine they all have their own. <laughs> I mean, not to say animals don't. I'm sure many animals do, but cats, I think, are also so characteristically like they have their own personalities, as we mentioned. Yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of these do or did at that time, right? Like, imagine a big saber-toothed cat having its own sort of, like, you know, it's its own personality. It's Jeff, Jeff the cat. Nah, it's not a good name. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's there, but... but... Well, uh, what I kind of wanted to leave with was um, still sort of this idea that we are... Mm. I think it is still wired into us to be looking over our shoulders for big cats. Hmm. Yeah, so have you ever heard of alien big cats or abcs i have not actually so um back when it used to be fashionable to have you know on your british estate you know your private zoo of exotic animals that probably hated it in britain there were reported to be wild cats like cats that had been brought from africa loose in the like moors and highlands of the british isles from wealthy people that you know they they brought them there and they'd gotten loose what yes this goes <laughs> back to the 1800s now a lot of surveys have been done and they've never uh conclusively said anything most uh 
most of these sightings, supposed sightings, have been attributed to dogs. Um, but they, the sightings do go back to the 1800s. Um, in 1978, uh, one of the most famous ones, the Beast of Bodmin Moor, uh, mm. was sighted. You know, people reported seeing uh, an enormous black panther uh, uh, roaming about. Uh, and then in 1995, uh, a, a big cat skull was found. Um, oh. But what was determined was that even though it was a leopard skull, uh, it was determined that it was actually imported to make a leopard skin rug. And the th- this I, I thought this was so interesting, the way they figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a cockroach on the skull that could have only come from Africa. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. So the the leopard had been killed in Africa and brought to Britain to make uh, to make a rug. Um, hmm. But there still are a lot of these sightings. There was a 1998 attack on some schoolboys. This is very recent. Uh, it was called the Dartmoor Lion. Uh, some these these schoolboys reported that uh, you know they were ambushed by. Uh, a big cat, some sort of large creature. Um, later, it was attributed to a Rottweiler cross with eczema. Oh, yeah, hmm. which is scary, but like not as like, scary. I, I don't know. Less fun, you know. You fun, want yeah. there to be? Yeah, I lions. do kind of want this big cat. I, want, I, I don't know why. I want there to be lions roaming <laughs> the the British Isle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, even as recently as last year in North Wales, there have been a lot of pictures of some kind of large cat or and large cat footprints. Uh, so there may still be, uh, even though, you know, they've never turned up anything. The sightings continue of large cats. It may be Mm. its own kind of pareidolia where we are hardwired to look for big cats that may be stalking us. <laughs> um, Make sure to look over your shoulder. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming. You know, if you're when when you're when you're carrying around a hammer, you know, cats look <laughs> like nails. Oh, that uh, sounds awful. Oh. oh. I mean, I, I'm I don't know about you, but I'm always looking over my shoulder if the cat in the hat is gonna come over and like, <laughs> hit me with the baseball bat. So. Well, I mean, the, the, the Mike Myers cat in the hat. Yeah, specifically that one. Yes. Oh my God. Um, but this, uh, yeah, th- we're, we're, we're constantly on edge waiting for, uh, you know, yeah. Mike Myers to <laughs> show up. How many shots? Aren't you precious? <laughs> I hate, I do, whoever, why? That movie should not exist, but I also kind of <laughs> love it. Um, but no, I think it's kind of, I, I, is it bad? I kind of hope there's like a big cat out there. Just, you know, well, it's like, it's like, again, it's like what I was saying earlier. It's a worthy opponent. Cause think about yeah. this like, of, of everything we've talked about. Cats are kind of this new hyper predator that yeah. has only shown up and really taken over in, you know, the last tens of millions of years, which is very recent. And it's even though by all measures we kind of have won um mm? and we've done know. what n- we've done what no other top predator has ever done and that is there's more of us than anything else 
I mean, I that's, that's, that's not, that's not thought, entirely true. But, I, I genuinely uh, thought you were going to be like, we have nukes. I was going to be like, he got a point. I mean, well, the cats are on their way there, though. They're they're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, the cat nukes. I mean, <laughs> the cat nukes will all be against, like, birds. Uh, right. you know, <laughs> yeah, for you some know, reason. We'll, we'll all be against, you know, <laughs> migrating songbirds. Well, the cats, um, the cats know that the birds aren't real, and that's actually why they try to get them. <laughs> oh for wow, us. cats! It really goes so that it's far. It's kind of it's kind of the opposite of that movie, uh, <laughs> Cats and Dogs. Is that what it was called? Yeah, they were, like at war with each other, and the cats right. were the bad guys. Yeah, but, as always. But but we look at big cats, cats in general, but especially big cats. We look at them, and it's like there was like this worthy opponent of mm-hmm. humankind, like. Uh, like it's almost like humans had to become technological in order to uh in order to like go against something that is just such a perfect predator. Oh yeah. Uh it's it, it it's easy to kind of get romantic about it. It's kind of like why you it's a little thrilling to think about there there still being big cats prowling around out there like something that something that is a challenge to us. Kind I don't know I kind, yeah, I kind of hope so in a weird way. I mean, but it is it is interesting like having it's that sublime. leveling. It is sublime. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it's also I think I don't know. I mean, it it kind of makes you think a lot too. Mm. Like about that. Like the, the fact that there is something there's a creature out there and at one point was probably even more powerful than we are now. And it kind of, I think it lowers the ego a bit. Like it humbles you mm-hmm. a little, you know, if you really take everything in and you think about that, at the fact that we yeah. were not top of the food chain and easily, yeah. easily could have been outsmarted by a mm-hmm. big cat and kind of yeah. still can, honestly. Yeah. So because they are incredibly intelligent, so it's, and, and strategic. So I, you know, even yeah. your house cat just trying to figure out how they're going to climb the blinds to get wherever they're going. I mean, think about that, what that takes, yeah. the the dexterity that even house cats have, I think, is still yeah. something to I mean, really, probably, you know, probably like our own ancestors. There's a certain baseline dexterity and intelligence like your brain has to develop to a certain point to be able to navigate climbing the way they do. So, like, yeah, it is. It is almost like, again, this this convergence of like who was going to beat the other yeah. uh, with with these skills that uh, we were building up separately. Hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe in a different world or a different timeline, I guess that there could have been cats on top and then we would have been gone. Or is, is that Thundercats? Is that? I don't think I so. I never watched Thundercats. I never saw Thundercats. I don't know if they're actually cats. Uh, hmm. well, if well, you know about <laughs> you know. if you know about cat paleontology <laughs> or Thundercats, right. reach out to us. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> wow. We would love we would love to hear it explained. Um uh, well, Joe, yeah. I, I I hope you enjoyed this. Oh you know, my gosh. Yeah, this was amazing. Thank you so much, Zam, for all of this research that you've brought us. This was yeah, I mean, incredibly enlightening. I have lots to think about. I'm, you know, maybe I'll retire the. Well, I never really was obsessed with this, but the Loch Ness monster theories. And now I think I'm going to mm. be interested in the in these, uh, you know, ABCs? big cats, ABCs, Roman the Moors. Mm-hmm, it's very, mm-hmm. yeah. No, but this was really, really, really great. Thank you so much again. No, I feel worries. like I learned was, a lot. This was a lot of fun to do, and you know, 
uh, I think this we've been very dinosaur heavy. Yeah. Recently. Um, so this is uh, an opportunity to uh, uh, diversify our paleontology conversation. I'm mm-hmm. sure uh, we'll have to do more in the future as well. Absolutely. And some, yeah. Some different stuff. And also, you know, getting out of the Mesozoic, you know? Yeah. Let's break out we a find, little bit. We had a, we had a Cenozoic episode. I mean, <laughs> well, to be fair, every time we talk about human history, that is a Cenozoic uh, exhibit. All right. I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was a non-Holocene exhibit. Non-Holocene. Okay. That's good. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, the end, it, it ended in the ho- We had to get back to humans eventually. Because you know what? Humans are telling the story. Uh, that's right. Here now. If the cheetahs want to tell their story, they're welcome to. Yeah. Um, come on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. With the question. Come, come to the. Yeah. Come to no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you ever think about, like, I think about Roy Orbison a lot. And Who? Roy Orbison, the guy that wrote Pretty Woman. Oh, I didn't know. Oh. Huh. You, you know, cause I, he's got, it, it, in, in that song, he goes, wow. And if you've ever seen pictures of Roy Orbison, he looks like a turtle wearing glasses, <laughs> like Coke bottle glasses. Oh, no. And he writes like, you know, he wrote like very kind of sensual songs and like Pretty Woman and even like Drive All Night. You know, you know, he's he's yeah. singing about driving all night uh, to to your room. To I drove all night to make love to you. And just he, you know, not not in a way that mitch mcconnell does but he does look like a turtle and it is just kind of funny thinking about this very hmm. very passionate sensual man who looks like that <laughs> anyways um huh. we've given you a lot of cats and roy orbison things to google later yeah so lots do with that here. what you will absolutely absolutely yes um well uh that brings us to the end joe what have you got going on well, um, I still have my solo exhibition up, Ephemeral History When Light Takes Form, at the St. Kate Arts Hotel in their airspace, and that's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So if you're in that area, please go check out um, my work as well as some of the other um, artworks that are on display there. Uh, as well as that, I have an upcoming exhibition in September, I believe the 9th, where I will be having a group exhibition with the collective that I'm a part of, Teleportal. The show is called Teleportal Presents Movement, So, and that's at Real Tinsel Gallery in Milwaukee. So feel free to mark that on your calendars as well if you're in the area and check it out. Uh, and as well as this, at this point, my album, finally... Uh, entitled Biomes should be streaming on Spotify, Apple, wherever it goes, and also on Bandcamp for free or, you know, name your price. So finally getting some music out there. It should happen. It should be up unless something goes terribly wrong. Um, but yeah, super, super excited about that. Finally getting some music out there. Um, nice. but Congratulations. Than, oh, thank you. It's been a long time trying to figure that out, but finally deciding to you know i've been putting my art everywhere it's time to put the other type of art that i make because i've just been hoarding stuff on my hard drive right. and well, we time finally to... get to, we finally get to start that joe the sardo documentary honestly yeah this is where it starts this is the origin point 
Um, <laughs> but how about you, Zan? What do you got going on? Um, well, July 10th, I'll be uh, performing at 82 Barbecue in Hudson Ooh. Valley. If you'd like to come hear some music and get some real good barbecue, uh, it's, uh, it's happening there. That is what is going on on my musical front. Hopefully some other stuff to announce as well later. Definitely go check out Joe's album. Um, I have some artwork that I have just posted uh, up. I'm going to try to keep updating my website with new paintings available for purchase. For uh, these paintings, I am going to be donating 25% to... Planned Parenthood back home uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, if you do live in Florida, abortion is still legal uh, and all appointments mm. that have been made can still be kept uh, as of as of now and as of on Planned Parenthood's site. Um, so uh, we here at the museum, we want to mm. be, uh, you know, we while it isn't the focus of the show, we don't want to be silent entirely because you know uh we don't want to give the impression that we don't care about what's going on right now mm -hmm. and it is mm -hmm. very scary and it is real uh so uh we're going to try to stay aware and we're going to do uh what we can and we we ask everyone else to you know take care of each other and do what you can um yeah, but uh, yeah, as as we as we all sort of uh, go through this uh, together. Also, uh, this is not published just yet. Um, so this is actually the first uh, announcement. This is a UCM exclusive. Oh, uh, but uh, in early August of 2023, I'm going to be teaching a workshop at the Joseph C. Campbell School in Ooh. Brasstown, North Carolina. Uh, so if you out there are uh, interested in painting, if you have followed or found us uh, because of my paintings, uh, I'm going to be teaching a class on uh, some of the processes that I use and if it's something that you would like to incorporate into your own practice, I will be revealing my secrets. Oh, it's a good offer. Yes. And and Great just and, and, le and lending my my uh, my thoughts. So I'm very excited for that. I'll be teaching at night uh, next summer, which is th this is incredibly exciting. And I am uh, looking forward to meet you all. There's limited space in the class i believe they're only going to accept 12 students so keep your eye out for that catalog that should be getting released soon and of course i will mention uh on my socials as soon as that does so that if you live in north carolina or you're going to be in the area that summer uh you can come take a class nice Nice. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely take it if you can. He's a great teacher. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, if you want to follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. If you want to find me, I am at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. From the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Josemino. Josemino.